0: everybody i'm sean rounds from Sportsnet. about to be joined by ken weeb of the winnipeg free press we're also going to have sportsnet scout and former big wig of you know teams like the florida panthers you know they uh, the guy who found Alexander Barkov. Uh, Jason Buchel is going to be on the show. Last time he would have been on the show was the draft. He was phenomenal. One of those guests that you just like kind of marvel at all of the stuff they bring to the show. Uh, so super happy to have him back on. Uh, game after the Jets getting back into the win column against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, 3-1 victory. I think you saw a lot of what makes Connor Bedard special. Uh, you saw the Jets getting back to a game that gets them into uh um, back into the win column uh i think it's one of those like good news bad news games i don't know about bad news but let's say pros and cons i thought there were some pros to that game cons of that game you know overarching i didn't think there was much as much separation between the winnipeg jets and the chicago blackhawks as there should have been uh but i think at some point you're just kind of like you know uh, you know, you're 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 picking away too much at it if you're going in that direction. But before we get too deep into this, I feel like I need to address something. Uh, some of you may know what this is talking about. I'll make it clear what I'm talking about here. Seems there's while, well, there's been a little bit of a situation where my name has come up in a somewhat. Um, uh, viral fashion online. Uh, Connor Bedard was in yesterday uh, and he was asked some questions. Um, one of them, the first one uh, along these lines about the vicious rumors that were going around about him. Um, people are questioning uh, me. People are very, very angry. Um, and they're asking me uh, they're asking me why I would ask that question and why there would be any value in that question. I think that's a great question. And I will say this time and time again, um, your journalism should be pressure tested. So people questioning me and why I would bring this up, I have absolutely no issue with um, if I'm not able to defend what I'm doing, then I'm not doing my job right. Uh, So people asking why I would ask that question. Here we go. Uh, You guys want the behind the scenes stuff that we talk about. Let's get into it right now. Um, I used to do news. Uh, The hardest job in the world is talking to a parent after they lose a kid. Time and time again, I was given that assignment when I did news. Um, It's a really tough thing to go and ask a parent uh, to talk on the news about something like that and i know that a lot of people will look at it and say it's the news self-serving trying to do this um my take on it is there can be lessons in things that go wrong um and if people involved in that want to weigh in on it it's your job to go up and have the you know to go up and offer them that opportunity uh seven out of 10 times people used to talk. I used to say to people, when I asked them, I said, if it was me, I wouldn't talk. I'm not the kind of person who would want to air my um, something terrible that happened in uh, you know, a public forum, but a lot of people wanted to. And the lesson I took away from that is sometimes when something bad happens, people want to be able to talk about it. So I learned as a journalist that I thought it was my job to put that out in front of people. This situation with Connor Bedard and the BS rumor that went out about him and his family, it was sickening. It was ridiculous. I thought a lot of hockey fans and the keyboard cowboys got far too comfortable with it. And I thought asking Connor Bedard in the way that I did it, I had said, I'm not going to dignify the stuff that was said, but you are a player that's in the spotlight, a white hot spotlight, and that spotlight went into a very dark place in this case. I want to know what you take away from that and what it's made you think about living under that spotlight along those lines. It's not going to be word for word. I thought he gave a phenomenal answer. But my idea behind asking that question is to take a family that was victimized and allow people to understand how it affected them. And then maybe think twice about the way that this carried out and the way that this thing went spread like wildfire and went crazy. Okay. That's my take on it. online. People got really upset. People, uh, you know, suggested that I was trying to perpetuate that rumor. I don't think I did, but in reflection upon doing so, I wanted to make sure that the the parties involved weren't hurt. So what does that look like today? I went, I talked with the Hawks organization. I talked with their PR department. I talked with members of the broadcast team. I'm not going to name names. If those people want to, you know, have their name drawn into the conversation. They can weigh in. I'm sure they just want to move on from this. I talked to a multitude of people about this situation. Let them know exactly what I just told you about the motivation behind why I would ask that question. I can tell you right now, the conversations where I had with that people, they understood where I was coming from. They had had no problem with the question. Connor Bedard, I was told, was expecting the question to be asked and wanted something on the record with the media about it. So providing him with the opportunity to respond to something terrible that had happened was what I had envisioned doing. From what I hear, I think it's something that worked out well. It clearly hasn't worked out well online. There's a lot of people, uh, a lot of hate, a lot of vitriol uh, coming uh, because of the accusation. I'm gonna be upfront with this. There's a a few local members of the media that I think stoked that fire and pushed it forward. I've had conversations with those people about that. And one thing that I've made clear going forward with they and with anyone in the local media or anyone uh, uh, who I know in this situation, if they would have just asked me, like if they've got issues with what I say or how I say it, if they would have asked me my motivation behind it, I think that the situation would not have gone the way that it did. I think they were careless in how they handled this. I think that the certain people who put in a lot of effort in trying to make sure that this was handled with care are bearing the cost of that happening right now. To me, I wanna move on from it, but I wanted to make sure that it was out there. Uh, journalism should be pressure tested. I will say this again, it should be in this situation. I just don't think that uh, uh, the way that it was put out there properly represented the care that was put in this. I'm glad that the Blackhawks organization, the people that I deal with, I'm on good footing both before and after this situation that there was were not issues with them in the way that this was handled. Uh, I'd like to move on from that. Uh, and I should get going on this. Uh, Jason Buchla is already in the green room. So we're going to bring in Kenny really quick here. We're just going to get him talking about the game so that we can move on uh, from this situation. Uh, so let's do it. Let's bring in the man with the best music in the business, everybody. Here comes Kenny. we? we you look like a million bucks like you always do. And of course, that's because of our friends Frank and the boys down at Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue, who dress both of us and do a damn good job of it, I must say. Uh, you want to go in that direction? You want to look... Like Ken Weave, you want to look like Sean Reynolds. I'm not talking in the face. Just focus on the suits, people. I don't want to drive you away. I don't want to harm Vittorio Rossi here. Look at the clothing, people. Look what they put together for us. Great job done by Frankie and the Boys. So head on down to Corton Avenue. Loudly proclaim when you get in the place. Kenny and Rennie sent you. Ask for Frankie and the Boys, and they will do you upright, everybody. Ken, looking like a million bucks, like I said. Uh, The Jets looking a lot better. And I don't know if even that's a fair thing to say. I don't think they look that bad on that three-game losing streak, Uh, but I'm sure the scoreboard looked better uh, for the fans here tonight. What do you take away from that game?
1: Yeah, right on. First and foremost, uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I know it's been a bit of a uh, storm around here the last few days. I also spoke with the Hawks PR, and I know there have been some, I think, unfair things said about the market and the journalists in that market based on some... I was in that conversation in the scrum with Bedard also. Uh, In terms of the game itself, uh, I think, I mean, thanks for sharing the context. Uh, As far as the game, uh, we'll get into this a little bit with Jay, but honestly, this is a game that, on the schedule, it's one of those games, honestly, that teams want to get through, and now that sounds ridiculous, but there's nothing... There's not a lot in it for a team like the Jets, because if you... If you win, you're expected to win, and if you lose, the sky is falling. So, uh, what I think the Jets were trying to accomplish was to snap out of that—you know, not let a three-game losing skid become four. Uh, they were trying to get their defensemen more involved, involved, which I think they were able to do on this evening. And thirdly, they were trying to get some more 5-on-5 scoring, and two of their three goals came at 5-on-5. So uh, I would say they checked a lot of boxes in terms of their to-do list. Uh, Do I think it was their template game? No. Uh, Do I think it was closer to their template? Yes. Uh, Ultimately, after falling behind, the Jets didn't fall apart. They stayed within their structure for the most part. You know, a couple of things fed into the Blackhawks transition, but uh, quite frankly, even though the game was close, I don't think it was a closely played game. Uh, if that makes any sense, um, Connor Bedard worth the, worth the price of admission. Uh, we'll certainly get into that with uh, with Jay, who's watched him quite a bit more than we have, Sean. Or I mean, you were at his first game, but uh, just on the way up. Uh, I thought that the Jets line combinations continue to be a work in progress. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. I thought Connor Hellebuck. It's a tough game for goalie, right? So. Everyone's going. Well, why the hell was Connor Hellebuck so out of the first goal? Well, when the pu- he thinks the puck from Kuryashov is getting through, it hits a skate, and all of a sudden it looks like he's completely out of position. He still gets his paddle on the Bedard shot, which was kind of ridiculous in itself. Uh, but yeah. overall, Hellebuck not a lot of work, but steady. And Sean, we've been talking about his numbers all year long. And guess what? By the time the final buzzer sounds, Connor Hellebuck is 11 and one. His goals against is two forty nine. His save percentage is nine twelve. So for a guy who was sub 900 and rocking a GAA over three, um, Connor has quickly turned the tide and sort of stabilized. And this is an important game for him because of the soft goal he let into Darnell Nurse the other night. Uh, I personally think Lauren Bressois will start on Monday. Uh, One of the, one of the hints that we saw this week, he was wearing the, um, RC, you know the 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 padding, the old school pads, uh, but I also I just think that it's his turn, it's his time, and this is a game that the Jets will try to build off of the positives they did in the game. There are areas they need to clean up. Important to just end the losing skid. Uh, they can take a little bit of an exhale and prepare for you know a really tough opponent on Monday night. Um-
0: Good stuff, Ken. Uh, let's bring in Jason Bukla We don't want him waiting for too long because I'm honestly surprised, Ken, that he said he has to come on our show again. He's too, he's, he's just busy. Too many times. Well, yeah, you're right. He's a busy guy. Uh, but he, he doesn't be needing to make time for chumps like us. But here he is doing it over and over again. Uh, Jay, I got to say, I still am wowed by the performance that you gave us at the draft last year, uh, or sorry, over the summer. Uh, it's one of my favorite shows. That we had last year and i wasn't expecting it because draft shows i think can be rather boring um boy oh boy when people like you dig into they're probably the most exciting shows for you and i can see why uh because of that but we're gonna ask something entirely different from you here tonight although we're gonna get into like what prospects like cole perfetti and uh connor bedard are turning into but uh just give me your takeaways from the game here tonight the jets seem desperate to get back in the win column uh, Chicago Blackhawks team that's been playing better hockey, at least getting better results as of late. What did you take away from that one?
2: You know, even in a three-game losing streak, I wasn't really put out with their effort per se. Like, I, I I find that the Jets, even on their off nights, if you want to call it that, um, generally speaking as a group, they're a pretty competitive team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they compete between the whistles and they work. So this is a team, guys, in my opinion, just like from a scout's eye, Um They live on the margins. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I'm with you, Kenny. I didn't feel like it was a really close game today. You know, I really, especially in the second period, immediately they put their their foot down to start the second period and Chicago gave up several odd man rushes against in the second period. Right. So they really established their game then. But here's the thing. Um, I struggle with the margins we need a guy who can win more faceoffs in all three zones. We need to we need to start with the puck more often. Um, you know the the first goal against obviously it's a muffin up the middle that doesn't usually happen. You know, but it happened, um, and you know, boom, it's one nothing. But another team, let's call it the Dallas Stars or you know the Vegas Golden Knights, whoever. Um, you know that type of uh, a team; they're going to go to another level off a of turnover like that. So yeah, it was good enough today, but come the beginning of the week, they're obviously going to have to be a lot better. Um, but listen, guys, I the third line for the the Winnipeg Jets, in my estimation, when I when I start scrolling around the league and I start looking at fits, to me. Honestly, this might be one of the best third lines in the entire National Hockey League. And I don't say that lightly. Like with Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton, like how much value are they getting out of that group there? They don't really see any power play time. Um, They're all plus players. They play heavy hard. They empty the tank. They go to the paint looking for garbage. That's a hard group to play against. And tonight in the first period, I thought by far they were their most established line. You know, Chip Chase, wear down the opponent. Um, I love that group there.
0: Okay, let's dig into that some more, Jay. Uh, I thought Nino Niederreiter tonight was, you know, it's not exactly one of those nights where, as they've done a lot of times this year, they've made the difference on the scoreboard. But I just thought they, you know, just absolutely gave a noogie to the Chicago Blackhawks every single time they were out on the ice. I'm glad you said that because I've been thinking more and more about this third line and its place across the rest of the league because, I mean, Jets fans know they have something special here. But let's be honest, every market looks at their own guys and probably overvalues them a little bit. But I want to know, you know, if you can dig in a little bit deeper and give me an idea of where you think this third line fits in and some of the other kind of comparables you may see around the league.
2: Well, let's just look at some of the Canadian franchises alone. You know, like if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight playing the Boston Bruins, um, you know, in the three-hole, they're going to roll out guys like Yarncroft, Kampf, uh, Robertson, you know, mixes of these types of players. Um, clearly their team is built differently than the Jets, right? Like the Jets have traditionally, like Chevy and his staff um, have always traditionally valued kind of a, a heavier set roster. They like to grind it down a little bit. And you know what? They have to because – the L.A. Kings of the world, like that type of model of a team, you know, an awesome playoff matchup, let me put it in perspective, would be the L.A. Kings versus the Winnipeg Jets. That would be an absolute grudge match. It would be like fourth and goal from the one all night long. You know what I mean? So um, across the league, uh, there isn't really a comparable in terms of all three guys being like Nita is the smallest guy in that line. He's 6'2", 209 or something like that. Right. So Lowry is what, 6'5", and what is he, 218, 220, and Appleton's in that mix too. I I struggle to find a comparable who can move, transition the puck, battle along the wall, go to the paint, and score at even strength. All those things. I, I, I really do. Now, I will say this, so again, I don't want to sound like I'm being, you know, that guy, but we need to start with the puck more often. So, you know, Lowry's up at about 50%, 49 and change. Let's call it 50% but we all know that when you're involved in uh, any type of faceoff in this league it sounds redundant and it's it's scout speak but coaches it drives them crazy when you don't start with the puck and when you're you're on the penalty kill you got to win big draws when you're uh, protecting a 2-1 3-1 lead in the third period you need to win and start with the puck all over the place because this is a line guys that if they win it anywhere let's say in the neutral zone they win it they chip it deep there's a real opportunity. They might pin the opponent down there for what 35, 40 seconds, just wearing them out on the perimeter. It's uh I can't understate the value because what it does is it opens up more space for your skill guys the next time they roll over the boards. If you have a defense pair on the other team to call it their top four that match up against Lowry's line and they get beat up for 35 or 40 seconds, mm-hmm. they haven't recovered by the time. Uh, Shifley's line rolls out against him the next time. It's super important.
0: Jay, there's a perfect example. I'm going to give it to you right here, uh, Ken. But perfect example at a number of games ago uh, during the Jets five-game winning streak, I believe it was. But that line goes out and just absolutely wears down the opposition, holds it in there, gets three or four scoring chances. And then just in a perfect fashion, Lowry leaves. It's the yeah. long change, changes. Mark Shifley walks on steps into the zone is given the pass. they're too tired they can't he just walks straight I, I liken it to them rolling out the red carpet for him and he walked in and he scored a goal just a perfect perfect encapsulation of exactly what you're talking about um ken how do you think that fit played tonight because i i know that uh, uh at one point i just turned to the person who was sitting next to me and thought like Nino is everywhere tonight but but on the score sheet uh, it's it's funny that on a night like tonight that that line does so good. Nino was just so on his game. It was almost like I wasn't seeing Lowry and Appleton, but they were doing their thing as well.
1: Yeah, Nino, five shots on goal today, Sean, I agree with you, is all over the place. And I mean, Mason Appleton has a easy tap, but Zaitsev gets there first. I mean, that was a very good defensive play. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure both of you noticed Rick didn't actually start the Lowry line against Bedard on the first shift, which I found kind of confusing. And then he went to Lowry and then they scored. Now, obviously it wasn't the Lowry line's fault, but uh, I thought that they really almost took Bedard almost out of the game at 5-on-5 because it was played in the offensive zone, or he was having to play and defend for the majority of the time. I thought that was a big factor in the game. Bedard, three shots on goal, five attempts. But uh, Jay, we've we've been debating back and forth, Sean and I, and Obviously, we know Nino Niederreiter is a seven-time 20-goal guy, and I think there will be times this year when he will be required to jump up into the top six to give them a boost, maybe to give a, you know, a Perfetti and Ehlers a bit of size. But one thing's caught my attention here. Nino's the kind of guy that has gone through incredible hot streaks, but also dry spells. I wonder if you think putting him with Lowry and Appleton has helped reduce the dry spells because he has his work boots on, whereas maybe at times when he's been in the top six playing with skilled guys, he kind of gets away and floats to the perimeter a little bit more. He seems to be involved every single shift in the blue paint, on the forecheck. I wonder if you think that's been a factor for him since coming to Winnipeg specifically.
2: Well, I I think you're onto something there, Kenny. So um, ideally, or pardon me, I shouldn't say ideally, guys who have been 20-plus goal scorers in the league they tend to identify themselves as such, you know? Okay. And I'm not saying like he could still be that guy. It's fine. But his approach is hundred percent different when you are playing a top six role and you traditionally come into the league as a skill guy, let's just call him a top six skill guy. He's big, he's strong, but you know that he's got good puck touch. You know, he's got skill to do some things off the rush and he's, you know, he found success doing that right in other stops. Um, when you can simplify your game and really compliment the other two guys around you, that elevates your game in a weird kind of way. I know it sounds like it's a, a backwards conundrum, really, but the the simpler you are with it up and down the ice, and you know that your other two linemates are going to do a lot of that heavy lifting, and, hey, I'm going to chip in with that too, but if need be, I could be that guy, you know. Um, now, Apps has gone beyond him, really, hasn't he? Like, even in the first period tonight, he had that uh, – that pot deep slot kind of uh quick catch and release. I don't know, I just missed the bar or something. It was it was close, though, right? This guy's getting chances all night long. Um, but I like Nita Ryan in the three. I wouldn't break up this line for 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 all the money in China right now. Like I would not do it. Like, I don't touch this group. And Vellardi, let's just say this: Vellardi's come back, okay? Um, nifty little play off the rush tonight, slick little drop to Shifley, right? Uh, absorbs uh, you know I believe two checkers to make a slick little play I love that about him he's not a burner guys he's never going to be a burner but he's a big body with great puck touch so he attracts checks and he's going to dish to those other guys so that will make those other guys better as well
1: uh, Sean could not be more thrilled with your answer Jake because we're definitely on other sides of the argument and again I'm not saying break them up I just think at some point the Jets are going to need him. And I love the size that Velarde brings to play alongside Cole Perfetti. That's one thing, the element they've been missing, a little bit of size. Nemesikov, you know, plays with some snarl to his game and a bit of bite. But uh, it's one thing that they've kind of been missing. And I, I really love... The way that Velardi plays his board battles—I mean, he's—he's he's not a physical guy in terms of banging you into the end boards, but strong on the puck and such a gifted shot. And we saw the passing ability, unbelievable toe drag on Alex Vlasic, and then the pass to Shifley, perfect. But where where do you think Velardi fits best? Uh, because right now I like where he is, but I think ultimately he's going to end up with Shifley and Connor, just because that I, I love the speed element of Ealers and that line has shown some flashes. But I just think that the overall package of Velardi is best suited to sort of feed into the, the transition game of those two players.
2: So I like that. I'll get I'll go on stuff further. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um Velarde has length. Ehlers has speed. Okay. So like Vlasic's a big, big body, guys. He's I think Vlasic's getting c six four six five. He's a big yeah. one. The Hawks yeah. have a big defense core. So when you have a a forward with length who can make plays in and around bigger bodies because he also has length that opens up more space for your other two guys. Ehlers is a darter. So he's an in and out guy. He'll spin off a check, but you know, they will jump on him, those longer defenders. And it's easier to take. He's a skill guy. Don't get me wrong. I like the guy, but he's easier to take away time and space because of that. So Bellardi gives a different look. So I like that, Kenny. I like that look with the Shifley and then Connor. Um, My only concern, I will say this, is that Kyle, still off the puck, as much as he snipes and everything else, I think he might be a dash eight on the year. I don't want to go over the top and have that debate because we all know sometimes plus minuses aren't deserved. I get it. But there's some float off the puck sometimes from Kyle, right? And when you don't have Velarde, who's a burner on the other side, coming back as quick as maybe an Ehlers, you know, you're going to maybe struggle occasionally defensively. So, um It's a long-winded answer. I like the bigger body. I like that more length somewhere in that line. So I think Velarde is a good fit. Uh, I would definitely give that a roll. What are
0: you seeing out of Cole Perfetti? Because I can tell you this, Jay, whenever I talk to the Sportsnet's folk in Toronto, and maybe it's the Sammy Cosentino effect, because I know that he's in on those panels and he's singing his praises, and rightfully so. Uh, But everyone's checking on Perfetti. I know he's one of those kind of players that left kind of like a, a memory and an image behind in the OHL that a lot of people expected great things from him. And what I see from him is the kind of game that he played in the OHL. He's finding a way to transfer that same game as the NA, at the NHL level. And I find it interesting with some prospects, sometimes they have to shape their game around the NHL. I feel like Perfetti is finding a way to shape the NHL around his game.
2: I'm glad you brought him up because I was making several different notes. I've been breaking down Perfetti pretty religiously over the last two years, you know, just trying to spin some setbacks, you know, whether it be, you know, injury or just fitting into the NHL game. The thing with Perfetti, guys, is like on that goal tonight, the 3-1 goal, I I know it's obscene, right? He kind of floats across and, you know, he's got blade up and and it hits his blade. But you'd be amazed. We've all seen it. We've all been around the game long enough. It's amazing how many skilled guys have that knack for that happening, right? They're just in the right place, right time, stick in the right spot. That's a hockey sense. That's a feel for the game. Um, Profetti has that in spades. He's got points in, I think, 13 of his last 15 games, if I'm not mistaken. It's somewhere in there. Um, and there's more to give there still. There's more to give. I call him a cerebral, offensive, second-layer guy trending up to potentially be first-layer guy overall as he planes out. Um, but even in the OHL, I wish Sammy was here. We could you know, we could pull out the gloves. But uh, even in the <laughs> OHL, when I went to watch this kid play in Saginaw, there was nights where I'd be like, wow, you know, he's pretty good. But, you know, and then I look down on my score sheet, you know, he had three points or something. And then I go back and I break down tape and I see how he's finding quiet ice or he's finding things on the perimeter. Um, he's a nice complimentary guy for what they got going on there in Winnipeg. He's not going to be a banger. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be super, super um, elusive all the time off the rush. But I'm going to tell you, fellas, he's finding a way to contribute. This is a good news story.
0: Um, Hey, I I don't want to wait too long. It's a Jets show, but uh, we got to talk about Connor Bedard. Of course, he scores a goal 11 on the year, which is like, if it was any other rookie, you'd be talking about how crazy this is. The expectations that come with him, I think people are just thinking it's almost old hat and don't realize how important it is. Talk about, like, a guy finding the right place at the right time with that goal that he scores. That backhand pass that he makes from the boards across the ice – I mean, how many guys in the NHL are capable of seeing and making that pass? Mark Scheifele made a similar pass on a goal to Kyle Connor earlier on this year. And to me, it took like all of his te- decade of NHL experience, all his life to kind of be, get to that stage. Connor Bedard is walking in with that built in at the age of 18.
2: Guys, there's, there's not a lot of players in the league, believe it or not. It's the best league in the world, but there's not a lot of players in this league that can go tape to tape with authority on their backhand side. I don't care if you're a defenseman forward or otherwise, like it, it just, it's an elite, an elite talent that he has there. Long stick, um, obviously tons of leverage, vision, rips it back door off his backhand. Like it's a forehand pass. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's um, you kind of run out of adjectives, superlatives, if you will, like it's, it's just unique. It's fantastic. It's it's outstanding. Sidney Crosby's got great puck touch on his backhand too. But the difference is, if you guys are if you if you want to get nerdy like me and break it down, sometimes like uh, so that pass by Bedard was like a long reach backhand where Sid he's almost got like a snap backhand and that's mm-hmm. you know like, a chooom, like it's a snap backhand tape to tape, of course, because he's Sidney Crosby. But um, I don't know, this guy is just he doesn't have a lot to play with there, fellas. He doesn't have a lot to play with and uh, he ran out of gas today i thought he was pretty pedestrian in the last few periods but um you know going up against guys like lowry and these other players it's going to get harder for him um this is an exceptional player he's probably going to win rookie of the year but trust me we all know this in the second half of the year uh i think this is the first game the jets have played the Hawks, right this year is it
0: yeah, yeah. yes yeah
2: game more against them um, every time he plays Winnipeg from here on out every game is going to be even more important for the jets it's just gonna get harder and harder for Bredard
1: yeah I think it almost it's funny and just talking with jets players going into it guys like Lowry and guys, the guys who love the game, like veteran guys look forward to seeing this guy on the ice, right? It's one thing to watch the highlights and say, oh, that's a great play. Oh, what a backhand sauce. But like, you don't want to end up on the other side of the highlight reel, which is why I think guys play those guys so much harder. And, man, and, I mean, you're so right. I mean, imagine in three years when they sign some free agents or some of those draft picks that they have in the next two years in the first round or two rounds start to blossom, and he's playing with, like, legit 40-goal guys, not you know, not guys that are filling out the roster with all due respect to Anthony Beauvillier, but man, it it was my first live viewing. And, you know, I've been, you know, players circling games in the calendar. This game I had circled on the calendar. I couldn't wait for this to happen. Uh, Kid was very impressive, but Jay, like we talked about before the year, like, people that thought he was just going to go out and score 60. Like, it's it's a hard league when all the attention is on you. And I think Bedard's done a great job of being at 11 uh, through this point. But uh, have you changed your projections for him at all? Or do, do you think sort of what we were talking about before the year? I think it's pretty much bang on right now.
2: Yeah, I haven't changed it much. It, like I said, it's going to get a lot harder, guys. And let's not forget, too, like young people, I don't care how elite you are as an athlete, when you start traveling through this league for the first time, Uh, you know, the travel, um, your sleep schedule, your reset schedule, which is really important, you know, as you start to switch through time zones. There's a lot of moving parts. People see what they see on TV, you know. As a fan, you're like, wow, this guy's a great player, whatever. But, you know, there's days, the three of us, we wake up in the morning and we've got articles and hits on TV and all this stuff to do. And we're, you know, we're barely rolling out of the sheets because we're having a, you know, we're not feeling great. It's going to be the same for him. He's going to go through some ebbs and flows through the course of the year. So, Let's keep it in perspective. I don't like that team. Oh, like um, that second period for me tonight. Uh, even in the third period, I felt like they were pretty passive with their forecheck. Chicago was. They looked tired already to me, and it's going to get even harder for him.
0: Sorry, there was but, one point. Oh,
2: go go. No, okay. You go, and
1: I, after that, I well, go just back. on
0: that just on yeah. that point that Jay was making, there was a, a, a situation there where um, there was a loose puck, and the Hawks. Uh, I th- I, uh, I'm I not sure which one it was, but could get a stick on it. And he could kill the play and get it out of the zone. And to your point about being passive, sat back on it. I just thought to myself, the way this Jets team was churning tonight, right? Especially that third line, getting in, churning with the puck the way they were. I just knew it was a big mistake. Now, I don't think they got scored on, but it's like if you can kill the pressure before it starts from the Jets, you got to do it. And to me, it was just like from having seen this Jets team play over and over again, I knew that was a massive, massive mistake. It's the first thing I thought about uh, when you were uh, when you were bringing up how passive they were. Ken, uh, you had something you wanted to talk about? Can I, can I just say
2: something right there real quick? Because it's, okay. it's interesting. Uh, when you don't kill plays at the blue line and... you. Even if you are killing plays at the blue line, this is where when you start talking about goalies who play the puck well, they become a factor. So Soderblom cannot play the puck very well, guys. So any chip and chase that gets behind the Chicago D, even if it's just you know in behind like in the quadrant, it doesn't matter because he's just going up the wall. That's his only option. Like chip it back into the pressure. That's where you need goaltenders who can get out and play pucks too. And don't underestimate uh, how much more difficult that makes it on your defense.
1: Yeah, speaking of defense, I think because we have you here, uh, first of all, thoughts on Declan Chisholm, and then I have a bigger picture question to follow. Uh, I thought Chisholm was great, his poise, very evident, and it's funny. We knew he was a good skater at the AHL level, but man, that skating ability really looks like it could play. If he can make that his consistent kind of standard line or baseline, boy, I, I think if he can play like that, there could be an opening on the back end for him.
2: So, first of all, I think it's his first NHL point today, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. You know, congratulations to this kid. There's, there's kids that you develop in your system that when they don't get enough early on, um, I don't want to say sulk, but let's just say they're not as motivated uh, uh, to keep plowing forward. It's hard. You know, this guy's getting called up or I had a great training camp and this guy's you know still playing ahead of me. Whatever the case may be. I liked his game today. I thought he transported the puck well. Um, you know, he, he got it to the net there in the offensive zone, a little bit of walk on the line, which is nice to see. So confidence, right. It's definitely in there. Um, It should get better too. Now let's put it in perspective though. The next game's harder than it was today. Okay. So even simple things like in the third period, the uh, power play breakout, he takes it up the left uh, hand wall. He kind of spins to his left. He, I, I can't remember who he dropped it to, but my point is he skated himself into a check and into like a box and, and these types of things um, will get better with more legs and uh, and we'll see how he, how, how he can do it. You can't teach offense. Like you can't teach that brain. You you know, we can try and nurture it, but you can't teach it. He's got it. He's got character. He's persevering. Um, I thought that was a nice story today.
1: And then just quickly as a follow-up, Jay, you've been involved in these meetings. How do these discussions go when you have a veteran like Schmidt who is well liked Um, you know, outside of the salary, whatever. He's played fairly steady, but he hasn't really get like one point in 20 games. So he hasn't given you that offensive boost that you're looking for. You have a young player with upside, but there are going to be errors and mistakes because he's a young guy. Like, take us behind the curtain on what this is like in terms of, you know, not the management trying to force this guy on their team, but how does this kind of evolve in terms of, whether the guy can take the job or if if ultimately he won't, I guess. So what what are those discussions like?
2: Well, similar to how you circled this game on your calendar today, so would the Jets management team behind the scenes. So when you talk to Schmidt and you see how his game's planed out, you see uh, results or lack thereof, like he's not fitting the category of play that the coaching staff are expecting out of him. And then you've got this other kid over here, a young guy who's been persevering, pushing it. Um, This is a game they circle and say, if Schmidt isn't here by then, let's give this guy a chance. And he's earned that opportunity. You know what happens now, guys? I believe he's earned another opportunity. That's, uh, you know, from where I sit. And here's, here's, here's one thing I will say to you, too. Two points in November, two points at the beginning of December are just as valuable as two points in March. Don't think for one second that management teams, coaches, whatever sit there and make they fall in love with their entire roster to the point where they don't think they're putting out the best team that can win that night. So that's just the way that is. And and I don't, he's a popular teammate, but um, you know, we've all been around popular people in in any industry, any walk of life. We all have popular people, but you gotta get results. It's a results-driven business.
0: Jay, to the point that you've been making in a number of your last questions about it getting harder, this is something I'm glad you're on because I've I've wanted an insider's take on this question. Someone who's been around the game and knows the ups and downs of the season. The Winnipeg Jets um, over the last three games, and I I would throw tonight in that, Ken, you can tell me whether you agree or not. There was a point of the the season where they just looked, you know, after about game three or four, most of their games were them just kind of steamrolling the other team five on five. Now they weren't always coming out ahead in those games, but you could just see they really weren't, playing nice they weren't letting the other team play with the puck very often their puck possession numbers were just so good we haven't seen that over the last little while and I noticed like a game like and I talked about it on our last show some little things that you know the Edmonton Oilers were doing to relieve the pressure and not just you know the cheat code that is Connor McDavid uh other things that they were doing puck placement dump-ins those kind of things that kind of just changed the game around a little bit and I wanted your take on Around what time of the season other teams really get a good book on other teams, other successful teams and enough games where, okay, this team went in and had success against the Winnipeg Jets. What did they do to have that? Then they've got that book and the games start to get harder because all of a sudden that system that no one had kind of solved. Everyone kind of solves it as a union. All these coaches around the league solve it as a union. So can you give me an idea of the timeline that this kind of stuff happens as the season goes on and what teams do to counteract it once it does?
2: Yeah, this is a great discussion. So it's always done in segments, uh, Sean. So um, you know, behind the scenes, we won't take a game here or a game there. So let me let me put something precise. Imagine Chisholm, for whatever reason today, had to be thrown out as a primary penalty killer. And I'm a, I'm a pro scout in the building watching that. And he does a great job. Let's just imagine that. That's a one-off. That's not, that's not a habit. That's not something that's you know projects out. We, I, um, always like to do it in 10-game segments to start the year, and then I start to break it down into five. So even today when I was doing my advanced scout and I knew we were all going to come on and talk together, I started breaking down the Jets in the last five-game segments. So I played it out in 10, and I back it out to five. So what has what worked in those five? What hasn't worked in those five? And you can even go to the top of the lineup with a guy like Connor. So, you know, uh, I, he didn't score today, so uh, that's six games played, no goals, right? Okay, why isn't he scoring goals? What can we do to make life more miserable on him to keep him off the score sheet? You know, is he getting – is he in motion enough? Is he finding pucks in the slot area? Are people taking away time and space off the puck more often? Like getting to him quicker, if you get my drift? Um it's multi-layered a lot of different tiers conversely if i'm the winnipeg jets and i come in you know riding a three-game losing streak today and i look at my body of work i say i don't feel like we've really played horrible hockey like it doesn't you know it doesn't i don't have that awful feeling in my gut what can we do better um I, that's when I go back to the simplifying things. Because I honestly believe that even Shifley's line, they like to carry pucks in, right? You know, they want to attack after the rush. They want to make plays. I get it. But they're also dash players, guys. Okay, so there's some risk reward there. I don't want to dummy down their game at all, but it's a team result that we require. So sometimes, let's get it deep, because I know the Chicago Blackhawks are going to struggle down low in their zone. Even my skill guys are heavy enough, and if they're not, they're quick enough to make them work down low and we can create turnovers. So I'm trying to give you like all these different layers and I'll give you another one, like the Soderblom thing. I I talked about a goalie who doesn't play a puck. When you're dummying down your game, when you want to simplify and you know that the opposition goaltender doesn't play a puck, there isn't a single defenseman in the NHL who loves it. When a puck gets chipped in behind them, his goalie can't make a play for him and he gets run over by Lowry or Appleton or anybody else to play. Nobody loves that. So, you know, sometimes uh, less is more and you still get a big result.
1: Jay, uh, a lot of talk in the center of the universe about Chris Tanov being a fit, people playing Connect the Dots with uh, Brad Treliving, the connection there, obviously, some connecting him to Vancouver. I cannot help but wonder if he's a fit for the Jets. I mean, not just because he spent one season with the Manitoba Moose when I was covering the team, but to me, he totally changes the dynamic of the defense core and could really slot guys in uh properly if you will if the jets could go after that uh, tell me i'm right or wrong
2: well you're 100 right we're talking about one of my favorite guys in the entire league he's a total throwback right like blocking shots with his face this week you know gets gets zippered for 12 or whatever and then he comes back the next day he's blocking with his back i mean this guy makes any team better kenny and the the thing is in the west It really is a good fit if the Jets can go shopping there. I find like there's more run and gun skill in the East. There's a few exceptions, but I feel like the heavy hard is more in the West. And uh, wow, if they can, and you know what? I understand how they build this out in Winnipeg. Trust me. I've I've been around this stuff for my entire career and I understand the city and I understand we want to get guys in the mold that want to stay. We want them to be a Winnipeg jet. And that means something different than being a Dallas star. Okay. Like a Dallas star can spill out into the community and they're, you know, they're just like you and me walking down the street. Right. But in Winnipeg, like this is like when I worked for the Sioux Greyhounds, those kids couldn't go anywhere in Sault Ste. Marie. It's like a community thing. You know what I mean? Um, Chris Tanya would fit right in. It would be, Oh, if they could ever pull it off, I'd spend the assets to do it. It's the type of player that'll, that'll help you win a playoff round or two or three. You never know.
0: Ken, uh, I'm good uh, on the night. I just a quick Kenneth one. Well, uh, just before one, we get,
1: yeah. you know, and we texted about it to any, any, just thoughts on the start of the year for Rector McGroarty? I know we, The injury thing is kind of up in the air, but what have you thought about it? seems like he's in the the Hobie discussion based on the start of the year, but what have you seen from the games you watched of his?
2: It's been a two-year growth, Kenny. Uh, Quicker to space, uh, big body, You know, going to the crease, battling, um, leader. He's doing a whole bunch of things really well. I hope he's okay. I'm going to be at World Juniors. If you guys are interested, circle back. I'll be at World Juniors uh, in Sweden for the 12 days. I'd love to be on with you, and we can... uh, we can talk about some Jets prospects that I'm seeing at the World Juniors. Fingers crossed, and McGrady is healthy enough by then. I'm understanding through my contacts today that it's just um, it's it's a day to day. It's a tailbone type issue, and it's it's uh, it's it's like a, a deep. If I had, I'm not a doctor. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last, <laughs> but I'm not a doctor. Deep, deep, deep bone bruise type thing on the uh, on the tailbone is what I'm I'm hearing. So hopefully everything's going to be okay here.
1: And sorry, I said last one, but uh, just because I was talking with a couple of scouts about it today, uh, what are your thoughts on Nikita Chibrikov's start? Because to me, he's one of we, he's the one prospect we don't talk enough about, given his skill set, but also there's a bite to his game and some snarl where, uh, you know, down the road, he's kind of middle six-ish kind of forward, but he can also give you a little bit of grit too. I'm just curious on your thoughts. On, I mean, he's obviously been really productive, but uh, what are you hearing about his game so far?
2: Skill with a little bit of rat, you know. He's got to uh, he's got to clean up some deficiencies at the North American ice surface. But you can't teach what he brings uh, offensively. Play driver. He's got almost 50 shots on goal. Um, I think he went on. A, he's been on a heater recently, right, for a long period of time. And I'm gonna. I, I know you guys want to go, but I want to end it with this. If we can get Chibrikov on the big team, okay, and he and he has some success, it brings into conversation the Dmitry Ryshevsky situation at Moscow Dynamo. When you have a Russian on your roster who can communicate with another roster or another Russian, how great things are going, how productive, I'm happy. This is a great spot to be. It goes a long, long way.
0: No doubt. Uh, Jay, that was absolutely awesome. I got to tell you, I'm very, very happy you agreed 100%, you said, with Ken on his tan out take because <laughs> un- inadvertently you absolutely shredded his break up the third line take, which I have been giving him a hard time for Don't months on the it show. It's nice to get a pro to clear things up because he's got some of the people who watch this show under his spell and they were trying to follow him down that to a place they never should have followed. So Jay... It's great to have you come in here and show reality to some of the people who don't want to look at it and see it that way here.
2: Boys, I love it. Thanks for having me on. Don't break up that line because uh, (laughs) you're you're, going to be, you know, it's going to be awful to watch. Don't do it. Don't
1: do it. Love it. Love it. Thanks again, my man. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Cheers. See ya.
1: See ya.
0: Um, Ken, uh, master class right Uh, there, master class, master class, tremendous. What did I say? What did I say though? Like, I can tell you this you know, when Sammy comes on, yeah, everyone knows they're gonna love it when Jay comes on. I can tell you this, you are going to learn not one, not two. You're going to learn like 15 things that yeah. you didn't know. And uh, I, I, that question about, you know, kind of as the season goes on and how teams start to kind of pick apart teams game, no better person to talk to him uh, or talk awesome. to about that than him. Uh, hey, give Sweet Lewis a shout out uh, yep. before we get rolling here.
1: Sounds good. For the folks who uh, have realty needs they'd like to have met, uh, please contact our main man, Lou Ferlin at Rolla Page Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971 or at the office. Two zero four nine eight nine five thousand. 204-989-5000 his email is lou at ca. that's l-o-u at l-o-u-f-u-r-l-a-n.ca lou ferland tremendous realtor tremendous human being and tremendous supporter of the community when you call him or see him tell him kenny and rennie sent you and buying put- or selling kenny yeah buying uh I, this is this comes courtesy uh, in my inbox uh from doug henderson a recent winner uh, of something we'll get to in a minute uh, buying Cole Perfetti north of 25 goals. Ooh, nice. You li- yeah. I like it. Um, nice job uh, by I'm Doug. Buying
0: well. I, I'm buying as well. I'm buying as well. I'm buying Jay Bukula's, uh not breaking up the third line. Uh, I think that was just a phenomenal thing, a phenomenal thing that, needed, that needed to be said. Um, so I'm buying that. And I would also like to transition, of course, To the pristine roofing wake up call, which is what you saw Jay Buchla give Ken (laughs) Reed tonight. (laughs) <laughs> on tremendous, for breaking tremendous. up the third line. Yep, uh, that's the Pristine Roofing Wake Up Call. No doubt about it, and of course that means uh, it is time for you to give oh, North sorry. End Rick the Pristine Roofing Wake Up Call at one 981 6289 Wake them up, get them out there, because uh, if you've got any issues with your siding, your exteriors, your roofing, North End Rick's the guy to talk to who can get Pristine Roofing down, who will do a pristine job. They're named Pristine for a reason. Uh, if you don't want to get hold of rick get a hold of christian group at what 204-237-7663 but why would you not want to get a hold of rick great guy and i want to say this out there um north end rick uh lost his pup uh that is tough tough sledding i know what it's like um a house never feels i said this to him a house never feels more quiet than when suddenly there isn't the sound of tip tapping paws across the linoleum floor or the hardwood floor uh it's like losing a family member so rick uh uh, I'm thinking about you, buddy. Uh, okay. Um, let us can talk quickly about, um, where did I want to go with this? Uh, um, oh, uh, I want to talk about Samberg. We haven't talked about him enough. Um, I thought tonight was just another night. and I kind of going back to the idea. I don't think we overly really talked about it in that Oilers game. There's a lot of metrics that are showing him to be one of the best defensive players. Uh, defensive uh, defenseman in the game. Um, he's the guy that we should be buying. Where he's at. What has the the found money that he has created as a defensive force for the Winnipeg Jets allowed for the rest of this team and the the rest of this decor?
1: Yeah, Sean. I mean, today is another good example, and I, and I would say this: there have been a couple of hiccups for Dylan Sandberg this week. There was the icing prior to the Velarde penalty, and today, obviously, he had the turnover on the first goal by Bedard. But what I love about Sandberg is his ability to park a mistake or something that doesn't turn out and not let Brilliant. it sink him. Young players. Connor Bedard's goal happens at 4:39 of the first period. So if you're not confident in your own skin or know the coaching staff trusts you, you get tentative. And, and Dylan Sandberg does not get tentative. He continues to play hard. He gets rewarded with an assist on the insurance goal by Perfetti. He, you know, he's playing on a pairing with a guy he's maybe played a little bit before in the minors. But it's a it's a it's a big assignment for Dylan Sandberg to be playing with the you know fellow you know a rookie essentially uh, even though they're comfortable with one another and everything else I love the way that he's playing his outlet passes are something that I think is a little bit underrated with this game he's a big strong guy and I've used this comparison before I don't know that he's going to get to the level of Jacob Truba in terms of the physical nature that he can play with but this is a guy that I would say in the next year or two you're going to realize he is a big strong we saw it with his hit on Tim Stutzla in the yeah. preseason this is a big strong man he's mobile and he you know he has some sneaky offense like not your Quinn Hughes end-to-end or not your Josh Morrissey end-to-end offense but this is a guy that's going to be a top 4 defenseman you know by probably as early as next season full time and it's important for the jets especially because let's not kid ourselves the the Jets defense is in a bit of a transition so the 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 quicker he can get to being a top four defenseman then we'll start to see some of the other things happen with with you know Elias Solomonson and and guys like that so I think he's really elevated and hey you know that when Elliot Friedman is is calling you for 32 thoughts to talk people are noticing how you're playing
0: no doubt. Uh, he shrugged someone off in that Oilers game. I can't remember who it was, but it was like it was a significant player and he made it look like he wasn't even doing it. He was so calm about it. I just thought that that's that to me... That's that sign of a defensive player that is like, you see the calmness that really skilled players show in pulling off plays early on. Let's use Connor Bedard as an example. The calmness with which he pulls off that move where I think he puts it through Ealer's legs, button hooks, turns around and does the cross-ice backhand pass, how calm he was when he did that. The calmness... That I saw uh, in in Dylan Sandberg pulling off that move really just made me think like, this is that guy that for years you're just going to be like, well, he's on the ice. We just don't get to score right now. Right. You have to wait till he goes off. That's the level that I think he's heading to when you see that kind of confidence and how he's playing with as few games in the league. Yeah. Uh, it makes it easy for a team. Uh, when you've got a guy like that who can anchor and hold things down, you really don't have to worry about things back there. And hey, we wanted to give a quick shout out to the team at Cambrian Credit Union for answering members' calls in less than one minute to having all their advisors available by video from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It makes it so easy to be a Cambrian member. It is obvious that the whole team at Cambrian cares about giving you great service, Well done, Cambrian. Okay, uh, moving on from that. uh, Let's just touch on, uh, actually, we probably are running out of time. So uh, why don't you give me your Johnston Group Got You Covered play of the game?
1: Yeah, you know what? uh, Got you covered. I think this is a, you know, I I like a lot of things here. I like Connor Hellebuck and his ability to regroup after a tough goal the other night. Uh, I, I like Declan Chisholm coming into the lineup and immediately making an impact. Uh, so I'm going to give that as a joint effort. I, I don't know that there was a, a specific play that I had in mind, but uh, I like the way that both those two guys played in this game today. But you know what? Hang on. The we've got you covered is welcome to Winnipeg, Connor Bedard. Dylan DeMello likes the way that you tried to beat him, <laughs> but he put you on your behind. So that that was a don't worry, Connor Hellebuck. I've got the young guy covered. And what I loved – is that he like tapped Bedard afterward. He's like, that was a good try, Yeah, keep working (laughs) at it. That's my got you covered. Sorry, I had to talk my way through it. It was a classic moment, and I think it's one of those, in the moment, I'm not sure Bedard appreciated it, but I think that's the one where you go back to your, when you're sitting on the plane today on the next flight, you're kind of thinking, that was pretty good by DeMello. That was pretty funny. Yeah. um, Hey, I think you missed maybe the most, The most significant,
0: maybe most obvious. We've got you covered of the entire year. Oh, goodness. Okay. But what I would suggest that is would be Jay Bukala coming on the show and letting you know that your take on breaking up the third line is absolutely
1: (laughs) out of bounds. You want to make it the Uh, lamp later while we're at it? Do (laughs) you you want to make it the lamp later too? All the awards. Okay. All the awards for (laughs) this show. Yes.
0: Uh, Moving on. Uh, Let's go to the keg state of the game.
1: Uh, keg save of the game was, man, Hellebuck had a beauty on somebody. It's, uh, I'm, it's, I'm having a little bit of trouble deciphering. Was it on Baville? I think it was on.
0: Bevil- I think, I believe it was Bavillier. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: so. Yeah, that was a good one there. About it. Yeah, indeed. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure it yeah. was on had A good shot yeah. in the slot. Uh really good save. Uh, honorable mention to Soderblom for the stick save on Shifley, which in real time didn't right. look like much, but not no. off the paddle. It was off the top of the stick, like just nice. an, it was an absolute laser beam going for the top uh, top blocker side, and it just hit the part just below the knob and shot out of play. So honorable mention there.
0: I got to say there's nothing I hated more playing hockey than beating a goaltender and it ricocheting off the knob of the stick. Like that is, that is the worst feeling in the world because you know that every goaltender after that is like, trying to tell you that he did it on purpose and you know that they're just lucky hey transport to poly i see you sitting there right now being like but i did i did save it with the stick handle with the knob of the stick no you didn't no goalie in the history of the game has ever purposely saved the puck with the knob of their stick don't even give me that uh that to me uh, is is uh although i'll give it to the keg save of the game Uh, that's Ken's save of the game. We want to hear yours. Why? Well, if you share with us your keg save of the game, you're automatically entered to win a $50 gift certificate available to use at any of the fine three keg locations in the city, each location finer than the last. Uh, And that brings us to the winner of, uh, of our keg save of the game from our last show. And Ken, this person I know at some point had wrote that they, she was on Team Rennie. That's not why she's winning. And actually, I'm not even sure. I shouldn't be saying a she because it's a neutral name. But it said that they were on Team Rennie. I just want to get this out there. This isn't why they won. You've seen T. Wills got awards in the past here if i hey if i had the control you wouldn't see t will winning anything around here so i've got no control over this the lottery balls fall where they do and they fell this time in the direction of a loves winnipeg a loves winnipeg you have won a 50 gift certificate to the keg but you gotta claim it or it goes back into the pot to claim it you direct message me at sn sean reynolds send me your full name send me of course your email address and we will get you a 50 dollars gift certificate uh, usable at any of the three fine locations of the keg here in Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. Ken, you and I we're getting close to that supper. I can you taste it already. I'm pretty excited. It. Moving on to the lamp lighter. Ken, what do you got?
1: Yeah, you know what? It, it's uh you know, I think I'm going there's some several all three are all three jet schools are great candidates. Uh, I'm gonna actually go with the Morgan Barron, birthday boy, special through the five hole. Nice, uh, nice shot, but just an absolutely <laughs> exceptional pass by Nikolai Ehlers to spring Barron uh, for the, uh, for the rush itself. I mean, we talked about it with Jason Buchla, incredible yeah. tip by Perfetti and the, the play, <laughs> the play that Gabriel Velardi makes along the boards on the toe drag against Alex Vlasic, exceptional, but, Morgan Barron's goal, uh, and as Tracy Okranek just pointed out, bad news for Morgan. On his birthday, his brother just scored. So oh, Rick, no. Rick, Rick, Rick Bonus Rick will be back them. to beaking him. Yeah, he, he got the them. There it is. Yeah, there it oh, is. Oh,
0: my goodness. Hey, I'll, <laughs> tell you, I'll tell you something right now. You know who's sitting at home thinking – that he got jinxed by the head coach is <laughs> assistant coach Scott Arneal because he is a big time, big time worries about stuff like that and brings it up. I talked about it on the podcast how, like, maybe I jinxed them with the breakaway the other game. You better believe that Scott Arneal's sitting there saying, Don't say it, Bones. You say it, it comes true. Anyway, uh, great pick for the lamplighter. I couldn't agree with you more. The secret sauce for that, and it shouldn't be so secret, but that was a phenomenal pass by Nick In like, speed. The timing of him getting it at that time just to get it onside, but the two sticks that he had to beat to get it there, that was a precise, ridiculously hard pass. That is, uh, that's glorious. That is absolutely glorious. So I agree with you, Ken. That's the lamplighter of the night. I will say this, uh, you should tell us out there, you're lighter tonight. of the Night. Why? Well, if you do, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious 8-pack of lighter Amber Ale. Brought to you by our friends at Canada Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your own frosty, delicious 8-pack of lighter Amber Ale, you know what to do. Head on down to Canada Brewing Company. Join them in their taproom at 11290 Keniston, where they have copious, copious amounts of uh Lamplighter. They've also got other great beers and great food down there. You want to go check it out. Hey, you want to check it out? You should check it out with us at our Kenny and Rennie Live Podcast,
1: December Next 10th. Sunday. Next it's Sunday.
0: It's coming up just over a week from now. Pack that room, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get down there. We want to have just an absolute blast, and we want to have as many of you uh as can be there along for the ride. Uh so you know what to do. Go uh here to Eventbrite. Uh Copy this if you can, or otherwise just say Kenny and Rennie December 10th uh, Eventbrite. You'll find the tickets there. Join us. We want to see you down there. It's going to be great. And that means it's time to dole out the lamplighter from our last show. And the winner would be Top Line Media, Top Line Media which I think is uh, Nick and Nick, Nick Uh Congratulations, Nick, a guy who I think may just be. At that, uh, December to remember. December to remember. He
1: said yeah, remember. he will be there.
0: Uh, Kenny and Rennie holiday slash Christmas party. Uh, it's going to be great to see him down there. Great to see everybody else. It was great to see everyone in here tonight. Um, I did want to say something. Oh, before I shut this down, it was called for. I just want to hear some really good music before we go. James, E says, how about the headband not uh see Rennie rocking the look? but to hear Tristan River's music. You're gonna see both, you're gonna hear both. Uh, Let's do it here. Let's make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. I did, before we go, Ken, I wanted to be, and I don't want to bring it back to this because I felt like I started the show with a bummer talking about that thing. Uh, and I don't like talking about it. Um, I did notice in the chat room I really appreciate the the support, people. Um, all a lot of you out there saying that that I'm all class, uh, that that I'm you know uh, honorable journalist. It's great to have fooled all of you. That's good stuff to have uh, pulled that off. Um, there was some talk in there, and I shared everything that I could about this situation. But talk of people like getting in and asking about who said this or who said that or did these things. I don't want to. I, I can tell you right now, I feel like it happened to me online, where people kind of like start trying to target you. Uh, for something that doesn't need to be done, uh, th- the situation, to me, as I see it, has been dealt with. Uh, conversations have been had. Um, I see it. I don't. Uh, it doesn't matter to me how the other people involved in this see it. I see it as mistakes having been made. Uh, I don't think that they were mistakes that were intended. Uh, I just think there are mistakes that need to be cared for. Uh, I don't want to turn this into any kind of witch hunt hunt situation. This is a solved situation in my mind. Uh, I appreciate the support. Let's leave it at that. And let's move on from this to uh, more important and interesting things to talk about. Uh, And the reason we get to talk about those things in this space uh, if you appreciate us talking about those things in this space, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space. Uh, for us, that's uh, Vittorio Rossi, Pristine Rupin, Sweet Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, the Johnson Group, the Keg, and of course, Transcanter Brewing Company. Thank you so much to them for all the support we've got. They definitely make us feel extremely supported as does everyone in the chat room, as does everyone uh, who picks this up and watches it later. Uh, it means a ton to us. It's great to see you here. It's great to have spend this time with you. And we can't wait to do it over again. Uh, a Rogers game, uh, a Sportsnet game Monday uh, as the Jets take on the Carolina Hurricanes Monday night hockey. Ken, we've got something to say before we go.
1: Yeah. Thanks again to Jason Bukla. It was just absolutely oh, yeah. tremendous. And uh, you know, uh, I'll be out of town on Monday, but uh Sammy the Scarf, I believe, will be in the building and uh, will go. be joining us, I believe.
0: Absolutely perfect. Have a great show, perfect my man. Ending to a perfect show. Uh thank you so much. Thank you to everybody out there. We will see you after the game on Monday. Bye bye.